You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 290. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. Robertson. That's the only way. It's the only time I ever say it that way. Robertson. It's, yeah. it's designed to uh, get you to say your name afterwards. Obviously. Yes. Because I, I wouldn't do it otherwise because I, know. I just wouldn't think of it. And I'm Tim Robertson. See? You know, that would I, be different. I, I envy you for having a name that people always hear and understand the first time. Because most times I say my name, people go Curry. No, nope. no, nope. you're wrong about you're that. Right. I get I get Robinson, yeah. probably as many times as Robertson. Right. So people are just <clears throat> Robert and son. Like I am the son of Robert. Yeah, it's a Scottish thing. I think could be wrong. I'm not sure. I don't know the history of my own last name. No, you've never no. done the whole family tree trying to find, you know, back in back in the day where people came from. No, I th- I think Robertson sounds Indian. I think you're Native American. It could be. <laughs> could be. I uh, Robertson wasn't with the name I was born with, <clears throat> so it was never that big of a deal to me. Yeah. So anyways, let's jump into the show. Any good, cool tech stuff going on with your world lately? Um, trying to think. You know what? There's always so much stuff going on that I, I, I struggle to mentally keep track of it. I switched computers. I sold my, um, my MacBook Pro. Yeah. My Retina MacBook Pro. Because the only thing I really used it for was this show. Right. And I thought a Retina MacBook Pro to just record podcasting on was kind of redundant uh, well yeah it was overkill um and i figured it'd be better to release the value of that machine while it still had some value and then get something that was uh that was easier to use and and you know was capable of doing the job and the reality is of course you know any machine for the last well you could probably you could probably do a show record a show like this the way we do it on a g4 powerbook if you wanted to though um the web stuff will kind of let you down um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I, I sold that and I bought a, uh, a MacBook Air, 11 oh. inch, 11 inch MacBook Air, which was, I've got to be, I've forgotten how much I like this form factor. Um, and so, yeah, I have one from, I think it's about 2012, 2013. Um, hmm. and it's, it's great for doing the sort of stuff I do for this show. Sounds cool. Yep, and it's very portable as well, which is Well, yeah, nice. that's the and thing. I mean, you could take that and it doesn't weigh anything. Exactly. And the other thing I like about these machines is that unlike the modern Macs, they, you want to upgrade stuff in it, you can upgrade stuff in it. I've put a larger SSD in there. You can get, uh, if you don't want to get the official SSDs that guys like uh, OWC do, you can get these little adapters now that let you put any uh, MSASA or um, M.2 SSD into them. So uh, it's trivially easy to do that. It's a five-minute job. And if you want to change the battery, that's also a five-minute job, which is refreshing compared to the modern Macs, where it's it's $500 and a trip to Apple. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. That's, so, it's kind of crazy how much it costs. Yeah, yeah. and the, uh, the only downside of a machine like this is obviously the display is not retina. But to be honest with you, you don't really notice that. They're not sucky displays by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, end of last week, we did a review of Captain Marvel. Yeah. And I said the best superhero show so far this year, by far, was the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. And you had not seen it, but you sent me a text and said you had seen it. 
Alexandra and I sat down and watched. The, we, we had a Charlotte and and her mum were going out to the ballet, and uh, neither us, neither Alexandra and I fancied that. So I said to Alexandra, Shocker. "I said, well, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> to you, you know what? I, it's okay. It's it's no, it's out. not. No, it's not. It's <laughs> terrible. It's okay. You're you're among guys here. It's you and I. <laughs> well, anyway, we we um, hate LA. Whatever the reasons, Alexander yeah. and I didn't go. Alexander was definitely not not into it at all. And I said, look, we can go out and see a movie, or we can stay at home and watch a movie. What do you want to do? And um, we looked at what was available. He says said he wants to stay in. So I. I Acquired a copy of Spider-Man is the Spider-Verse. I said, let's watch that. I thought he'd seen it, but it turns out he hadn't. So he was very excited by that. And, uh, yeah, we watched it. And what a great movie it is. Yeah, if, if really. for a casual someone just looking, you think, oh, it's just like a a cartoon movie. That's not Yeah, it's just like a uh, feature like Justice League or right. something like that. Straight it to video nothing, or something. No. Nothing like that. No. The, the artwork is just fantastic the soundtrack really fits the vibe of the movie but more importantly the story itself is good it's not a great story it's a good story but the the voice acting and and the way they treat the material is just fantastic yeah i think i think the casting was extremely good yeah um and uh yeah they 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 basically they took We've seen this sort of story before, but we've never seen it done like this. They took right. they took a story of like an origin story, a um, you know kid finding himself type story, together with uh, mentors from other places. And I was like, you know, obviously, well, it's, it, 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 the trailer gives that away. It, yeah. It's Spider Men or women from other parallel worlds, other, other dimensions. Yeah, yep. uh, but the way it treats that is is really really well done. Yes. Um, and that, and so, so from a story perspective, it, it hits all the right notes. It shouldn't really surprise us that this was done by Lord and Miller, who did the Lego movie, which had very similar kind of thing. You know, it had um, a heart to it that yep. you kind of didn't expect to be there. Um, and again, similar, very, in, in fact, similar to the Lego movie, it, it used a visual style which kind of used technology to deliver a visual style which uh, looked simpler than unique. it actually was. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, you know, most people who saw the Lego movie assumed it was done using stop-motion animation, but in fact it wasn't. It was all CG, and they used the CG to make it look like they were using stop-motion animation. Yes. Uh, and and this, is, this is kind of very similar, but the, the brilliant aesthetic here, for somebody who's a comic book fan, is that each character has their own aesthetic from the uh, dimension they're meant to come from, which obviously is, is like a comic story. Did you um, realize that the uh, black and white guy, that was Nicolas Cage? Oh, of course, yes, as I heard him. And, I, and again, I thought, <laughs> oh, brilliant casting. Yes. And, and and even though he's very much like a side character, I mean, he was so well done. It was it, so cool. And he plays it over the top for a reason. Exactly, it, yeah. It's just, it's brilliant. Spider-Ham. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who's like a you know a Warner Brothers cartoon version exactly. of Spider Man? Yes, you know, and and I think the Spider Ham story is that he was a uh, a spider who was bitten by a radioactive pig. Yes, and, you know, and and the point is is that these characters should not work together on screen, and yet no. they pull it off. Yep, um, and uh, and yeah, it makes it really really fun and also kind of really interesting at the same time. And uh, yeah, each character when they're interacting, they look like they're in their own world, even though they're in a completely different world. So exactly, you know, the cartoon <laughs> and, and, pig looks like a cartoon pig, even though he's standing next to 
I don't want to say a photorealistic, but you know, more of a realistic setting. In- exactly, and 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 you know, it's also very self-referential, self-knowing. Yes. They recognise what it is. You know, uh, for instance, Spider-Ham makes a joke. So one of the one of the, one of the jokes he end the movies is he gives him a, a hammer. Yes. As a gift, you know, which is a play on on um, what they call um, hammer space, because uh, in the cartoons, you know, characters can pull massive objects out of nowhere. And he even says to me, he says, put it in your pocket. Don't worry, it will fit. You yes. know, uh, it's so it's so well done. It's very, very clever. They didn't do the the, the typical thing you would always do, which is, you know, the girl and the boy have a romance. They they turn that into a into a friendship and a respect and, and that sort of thing, which I thought was really well done as well. But kind hey. of a romance. I mean, it, it's obvious that Miles really, really digs Gwen Stacy and she likes him yeah. too. But they yeah. never go anywhere with it. Not, but they do, but they don't. Yeah, which I think is the nice thing to do with it. You know, yeah. a teen, that's what teenagers do, which is, yes. you know, teenagers will like each other, but they, they will kind of dance around it for a long time often because they haven't got the confidence to go somewhere with it and you know it was all really great i I really really enjoyed we both really enjoyed it um i would easily watch it again and uh i look forward to the next one cole's watched it like five times on his phone now yeah yeah um is it is you think it's better than captain marvel uh let me let me yeah. let me phrase this yeah, another way. I'd, I'd say I'd say it probably is to be honest. Did you relate more or understand Miles better than you did Carol Danvers? Um, I did. About, I thought uh, well, I thought Miles was a real person, and Carol Danvers just never became a real person. It was well, just I, I, you know, Brie you Larson I, playing yeah, a role. I, you and I still disagree on this. I I I felt I understood more what they were trying to do with Captain Marvel. Uh, and her characterization than you did um but i i think i think possibly uh, into the spider verse because probably because it's aimed at a, a slightly lower age audience is a little bit more accessible um and it's, and it's more of a related i think one of the differences is carol danvers is a sort of character we don't see on screen very often so you don't necessarily get it straight away uh, it we- wasn't about getting it i just didn't think they pulled it off right i i just the character never really grew she was just kind of flat the whole thing and i just never related to her as an actual human being whereas miles i understood miles within five minutes the scene and they actually show this in the preview so i'm not gonna give it away the the scene where his dad who's a cop drops him off at school and then gets on the pa system in his cop car to tell miles he loves him yeah is so embarrassing for a kid and his dad's like, you got to say it. And he keeps interrupting him. It was so well done. And there was never a moment like that that had that kind of funny emotion, but still emotional weight that everybody watching can relate to. It, it, Captain Marvel never had anything like that. No, it didn't. But, but then the character couldn't because the whole point about uh, the Captain Marvel character is she's, she's literally in isolation because she doesn't know who she is. And and the, the the thing about Carol Danvers is that by the end of the movie she realizes that she doesn't need to know who she is. She doesn't need to. She's been looking at it based on how other people perceive her, and she's she realizes that none of that matters. How she feels about herself, which means which uh, opens up who she is. So it's a, it's a different approach. Yeah. It doesn't need to be reflected off somebody else. Yeah, I want to see Shazam. <laughs> Well, I read a review of Shazam yesterday, um, and um, they 
well, this particular review said they didn't really feel that they pulled that off. So we'll see. I'll be interested to see your take on that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. we got a couple more weeks before that one comes out officially. They had a yeah. uh, see it early thing, and they didn't play it anywhere around here. So mm-hmm. getting some weird buzzing from you. Um, almost sounds like a headphone jack plugged in incorrectly or something. Well, I don't have a headphone jack, but... Yeah. All right, it's the charger, so I'll just ah, there it is. Take, take the charger away. Yep, it went away. Awesome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the stories that we got. Um, a really horrible thing happened this last week. A uh, mass shooting in New Zealand. Um, 40 pe- 49, 50 people were killed. Yeah. It's just horrible. And, it is. You know, the the people who perform this horrible tragedy, this mass murder, live-streamed it. Yeah. And social media sites have been playing whack-a-mole since then, trying to get this video offline, because I don't think it should be shared. You know, there's no. a there's a, a thing called human decency. Yeah. You know, and you shouldn't be able to watch something like this online. I, you know, some people say, oh, free speech and blah, blah, blah. Shut up. This is, this is people who was tragically murdered and that shouldn't be on YouTube. That shouldn't be on Facebook. That it, shouldn't be on Twitter. Yeah. It doesn't add anything to your understanding of what <clears throat> happened to actually no. watch it happen live. Um, or watch it happen on a video. And unfortunately, there are only two types of people who want to watch this video. They're, they're the voyeur types who like to see right. gore um, and the, the, you know, the, the, the zealots. The, 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 yeah. So, so, the, so there's those. And then there's the people who basically sympathize with this guy's actions right. uh, and want to uh, glory in them. And so both of those people are people, both those types of people are people who should not be encouraged in their particular um uh, their particular uh, deals. Right. We, and, we, uh, as a society as a whole, we'd be better off without those people in it. Uh, or without, certainly without those people getting an outlet to kind of amplify how they feel about this sort of thing. Um, and the, I, I think what this story kind of illustrates is that for everything that social media companies say about the stringent controls they have in place and the privacy and the... Um, the uh, filtering and the automation and the teams of guys working for crappy jobs, kind of getting rid of horrible videos and everything, they are behind the curve in this. This illustrated this more than anything, is the fact yeah. that uh, despite the fact that this story went around the world instantly, virtually as soon as it happened, they were not able to get in front of this and prevent this video from being shared. And you know what? Anybody who wants to see it now could probably go and find it on the internet. And, and there's some hypocrisy out there going on. Um, Reddit, for instance, um, it, it said you can't post this, but yet they have, in, in this uh, article that you posted, uh, has a uh, a long hosted forum called Watch People Die. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Are you it kidding is, me? It is exactly what you think it is. It's um, precisely this sort of video. Yeah. Why would Reddit l- allow this to happen? Well, Reddit is one of those companies that has basically said, oh, well, you know, free speech means anything goes and we won't censor anything. Um, now, they've, they've started to roll back on that a little bit, but ultimately, yeah, they, they and the, 
the difficulty is you can't you can't roll back from from that without looking like a hypocrite unless you've got a very clearly articulated set of well this is what we find acceptable and this is what we don't well the people uh, at reddit the people happen. who run it and own it or at least the people who run it should be fired immediately now that this has come to light they should be fired immediately and they should bring in leadership who says no this is not what it's going to be we're not going to allow this on the site and if you post anything we're going to record your uh, information and uh, report you to the police in your area and we're going to ban you forever the problem with the problem with reddit is that um you know it is very much the haven for the worst places worst people on the internet you know i yes. i saw I, I saw something in a um there's there's a reddit i i watched uh, i i uh, follow sometimes called which is called um keep film don't help and, it, and basically it's, it's videos where people are, are just sat around watching things happen and don't intervene you know and i find it fascinating as a a microcosm of how i believe society is changing now to the point where people just stand by and let terrible things happen you know and some of the comments in there is there was one i saw the other day where this this girl uh, in a school classroom which they obviously she's obviously had a beef with some guy and and you know she, it was a thing where she was she was really really angry and she went up to him she started trying to slap him right and she you know she hit him a couple of times right he responded by um you know he was he was obviously trying to ignore it after about the fourth of his slap she wasn't backing off yeah he grabbed her from behind picked her up and flipped him over his hip onto the floor so she landed back first on the floor right and and i i was i was appalled by this because it was such an escalation and an overreaction to what was going on and and it, the comments in, the, in that one was full of people going, "Yeah, she got it. What it coming? She's got what coming to her. You know, she started it, so she deserved it, and all right. that sort of thing. You know, and these are basically people who say, "Oh, it doesn't matter what what your race, your gender, your whatever it is. You know, if you do something like, that, you've got to expect comeback. You know, rather than people saying, well, rather than people in normal society would say that is unacceptable. She could have been really hurt." Uh, and you know what? More violence. Responding to violence with more violence is not a good idea. There's nobody like that on there because this is Reddit, and it's all full of the Gamergate dudes and the misogynists and the uh, you know the worst people in society. They go to these places where nobody restricts what they can say or what they do. Yeah, it's a uh, you know, it's so a that, swamp. That, that's kind of red. That that's Reddit's base. So if they make substantial changes, then the site goes away because all their people will leave because they'll go somewhere else. Mm. Yeah, and that and that's the dichotomy you have here. And it, what it always comes down to is people trying to operate a business, and if they've developed a business that that basically relies on a, a certain part of society, who other parts of society might think are distasteful or don't act the right way, then they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because they can't Not take really. the moral high ground. Because I I don't think the majority of the people that use Reddit are like that. I, I still do believe most people are good people. Yeah. Um, and getting rid of the trash just improves the neighborhood. When you have an abandoned house that a bunch of uh, uh, degenerates hang out in and, and squat in, it's probably better to get rid of the house. It makes yeah. the entire neighborhood better. The difficulty I think we have, with, and we've talked about this before with social media, and, and this story with this, this video from New Zealand exactly typifies it, is that they all have to act together. They, it's no good Reddit cleaning up his house, because then they'll just go to 4chan or 8chan or somewhere else, yeah? They all need to clean it up. Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, all of them need to 
clean up their act in one go and say, you know, we have decided this kind of anything goes attitude uh, is just no good anymore. So we're going to stomp down on this. We're going to aggressively pursue the people who are uh, unpleasant and do the horrible things. Uh, and and we, break the law, quite uh, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, and we're, we're just going to get rid of them, and we need to drive them out of all of the platforms. Yep. Yeah, and marginalise them. But unfortunately, the the industry will not will not do that. They won't coordinate each other because ultimately, what comes down is they don't want to drive users away because users are what brings in the VC money. It's what brings in the profits, brings in the advertisers, and ultimately, they like the money more than they like the moral high ground. Hmm. I gotta agree with you. And, yeah. and and their inaction speaks louder than words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this, as I said, this New Zealand thing just proves that whatever they, uh, whatever they say, what they do, uh, they are not in front of this. So um, another story, social media that you posted from the BBC News yeah. is MySpace admits to losing 12 years worth of music uploads. It's just, it's just unbelievable. The, the, the thing is, it's not so much that this happened; it's the fact that how it happened just kind of. It's just because they did a, apparently they did a server upgrade. Now, for for a start, you think MySpace has been kind of pretty much moribund for years. Yeah, what what were they doing with doing a server upgrade? You know, well, this well maybe the servers were about to break down. Well, they got a really good deal on some four eighty sixes, though. Let's yeah. be honest. I mean. <laughs> Running Windows NT, it was it was a good deal. I mean, you but know. the thing is, is moving a platform from one place to another, a particular platform that's not been really being used, so you don't have to worry about live changes and everything. That is a solved problem. <laughs> this this happens all the time. I, part of my job is is helping companies and helping people understand how to do this effectively and the the mistakes you you don't make. Yeah, and one of the mistakes you don't make is inadvertently trash a whole load of the data during the migration. And you can't help feeling that, um, in fact, the, the reality here is that they, they did this on the cheap and they effectively said, well, if we lose some data, we don't care because nobody's using it anyway. But well, that's prob- probably a good point, though. The prob- Well, the problem is is that people not, might not be using it, but MySpace was, was a music creation site. And people uploaded uh, pieces of music there um, that that once they're gone, they're gone. You know, the, anybody the, who is foolish enough to still be using or hosting unique tracks on MySpace in in 2019 is an idiot. Well, and I, you I'm know, sorry, I, but I, I, I that's don't know. kind I'm, of on I, you as well. I think I think I'm, <clears> I'm I'm really not a fan of that kind of vi- victim blaming mentality. The difficulty it isn't is- victim. It's that this is a site that effectively died a decade ago no one has been using this no one visits it It, it's a laughing joke to not just tech people like us but for musicians themselves nobody uses this site so if somebody was hosting something on a uh, effectively a dead platform that is on them david you can't sit there and say well nobody would you know it, it, it makes no sense. It's, I, I'm, yes, I'm they did think, wrong MySpace, a, but yeah. it's also on the user. If you didn't I have your stuff backed up, shame on you. I think there's a nuance there that you're missing because the problem is this was also a social media site. Some of the people who put stuff up there aren't here anymore. Yeah, it was 12 years ago. Uh, and this comes to a wider point is we, we kind of live our lives on the Internet. 
you can't rely on the internet to keep things forever. And right. yet, and yet, if you're not around to look after it, then that stuff could disappear. Who right. knows? It could have been one of the greatest pieces of music ever, ever written on there. And the guy dies of cancer. Yeah, it's there on MySpace, uh, and now it's it's lost to humanity. Right? right. No, no, <laughs> no. I still don't. I don't. I still don't see the problem here. Why would it be MySpace's responsibility to preserve this guy's legacy? Well, because. That's kind of what they set themselves up to do. And what I'm saying is... They never said that. Well, did they? What, did, no. When you, well, how many people... Go to any much? social media website and show me the terms of service that says they're going to keep your data forever. It's implied. Any of them. They would no, it's not implied. It, it, In fact, they, they all actually say exactly the opposite. In their terms of service, that right, they so are in not that case, responsible then why, for if, if MySpace needed to upgrade its servers, why did it actually bother upgrading the servers? Why didn't it just shut them off? Well, because they probably went from something that was much more inefficient back when they had a whole bunch of users to something that's probably more cost-effective because no one is using the service. Well, in that case, why bother at all? That's a different argument entirely. If you are migrating from one platform to another... I believe it is incumbent. That suggests you want to keep the platform alive. I believe it's then your responsibility to maintain the entire data set. Rather, than, I agree with you yeah. there, but that's not what we're we're discussing. I'm what, saying, uh, well, I'm yeah, saying the, it's it, not their responsibility legally or morally unless they're still a big deal, unless they're actually still out there doing something. And MySpace isn't doing anything anymore. Well, as I said, I, I think if, if you're going to lose 12 years worth of data, it would be better to just turn around and say, you know what, we're not going to put any money in this anymore, so it's going to stay until it stops working, and then you will lose the data. They've never said that. No, fact, I, I think they, that they, they were fact, disingenuous. I think you could build, you could build a if you were to it, if you were to sue MySpace over this, I think you could build a, a credible argument to say, look, the fact that MySpace were trying to migrate their platform from one to the other shows that they still have interest in it and believe it has some sort of value. It's therefore irresponsible to lose 12 years worth of data while you're doing it. And you can't turn around and say, oh, well, it doesn't matter because nobody used the data anyway as a defense. And I, I but that's the, not the, the only wider, defense. I think the defense is the defense is. It's not their responsibility to host and perpetuate forever. Uh, somebody else's data. It's just not. The, the problem I have with it is not that necessarily that it is their responsibility. I think that as a society, we are running the risk of losing content that that's, it reflects society as it was at the time it was created. And I think that leaves us as a society a lot poorer. And I think to just turn around and kind of go, <laughs> well, in terms of service said they never would keep it, is is not good enough i think i think as a society we need to do better than that yeah suppose the same thing happened to Flickr, right how many yeah. image how many images on Flickr are things that are important they're either important to people or they're they're important to society generally and if those were to just disappear because somebody does a ham-handed server upgrade yeah then as a society we'd be poorer i would suggest myspace is the same thing myspace re reflects the the birth of of social media and the birth of online music yeah self-created online music just in the same way that what we're doing here is self-created online talk right and if if our archive were to disappear 
Yeah, because some company decided that they, they weren't going to do a, um, a good migration and we lost half of it. Yeah, there'd be plenty of people who I'd imagine would be sad about that. You and I would be sad about it, and probably some of our listeners would be sad about it as well. Because once it's gone, it's gone. That stuff is gone. Now but you, I you, have you say, you, well, yes. here you go. You say I have backup copies. That's I have, right. Because you know, I'm the creator, and I made sure. But and not I'm not every- the only one who. Ha- well, that's not my. That's not that company's fault, and it's not their problem that an irresponsible user only put one copy of this thing in the entire world on their servers. That's not MySpace's issue. I mean, sorry, what do you, you know? I, 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 I fundamentally disagree, and I'm looking. I'm taking the long cultural and historical view here, rather than just the personal guy's lost his music. Yeah, particularly as I say, with there are users who, for one reason or another, can't get that. What some people were saying on MySpace, and not been able to actually access their accounts for months before this happened. So right. they weren't even able to go, go in and recover the music, and they wanted to. Yeah, right? there was eight people that were, like, really upset about it. Well, yeah, you know, one of those eight people could be a John Lennon. Yeah, well, who just never got the break. But he wasn't. Bre- well, he, you never know. He, 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 never was, he never got the break, right? There are times in history when people go back and look through historical records and find people who were way ahead of their time but never got the recognition for one, one reason or another. And you, you, the problem is, if the data's not there, you can't find it. It's, it's effectively, it's, it's, a, a, it's an episode of cultural vandalism. Yeah, you are basically throwing away things saying, I assume that this has no value. Yeah, when in fact you don't have the context to know that. We've had this here in the UK for a long time. The BBC, yeah, because they were cheap, they used to record TV shows as they were transmitted. And then after a while, they would record over the tapes because they didn't want to buy more tapes. Now, uh, programs and, and content that is that is believed to be culturally significant, which at the time was just a show, have been lost because the tapes were, were wiped over. We'll never see those again. Yeah, and and that is that is a matter of concern and sadness to an awful lot of people. So but that, and that's I still don't see of, the f- the financial responsibility of a company like. What if they just went out of business? They turned everything off. What's? I mean, that's why we have places like the Internet Archive. So, so if something is of significance, like I don't know websites, I can go back to my Mac and see what it looked like. 15, 20 years ago. But with the Internet Archive, you can't see everything. It doesn't capture everything. Um, right. So you, you and, still, but you we're not a, we're not a culture of pack rats. We can't keep everything forever and ever just in the hopes that something is going to be significantly important. We, that's just not feasible, David. Well, of course, it, what are you talking about? It's not feasible. Of course, it's feasible. No, it's not. Of course, it's, that would be one of the easiest things in the world to do if people decided to do it. Yeah. MySpace could have the whole point about the fact that their user base wasn't growing and it wasn't an active platform meant that they had they had an archive that was effectively a fly amber. It wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't changing. It wasn't getting any larger. It would have been the easiest thing in the world for them to keep that. And in fact, guess what? They tried to keep it. They just screwed it up. And then twelve. Well, years I don't ago, think that they did try that. I think that's the actual story right there. Is that MySpace actually didn't try to preserve anything. In fact, the the um, uh, Andy Bio who helped build a Kickstarter uh, crowdfunding site, he he posted this on Twitter, and I absolutely agree with this. I'm deeply skeptical that this was an accident. Flagrant incompetence may be bad PR, but it still sounds better than we can't be bothered with the effort of 
and cost of migrating and hosting 50 million old MP3s. That I agree with. I think he's Andy Bio here is 100% correct. They couldn't be bothered to migrate it correctly. So they just went, nah, this is the last few years. We'll just migrate that. And just who cares about the old stuff? That's actually the story. It's not that they screwed something up. It's that they couldn't be bothered to bring all that stuff forward. I, I, I sympathize with his view, but of course we'll never know without getting no, of course not. the view. But I think, you know, the, the, the tweet in this story then uh, after that just just illustrates what I've been saying. Somebody going, "Well, there goes my high school experience." Right? Yeah. That 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 is gone. Yeah, it has been destroyed, and you'll never get it back. And you'll never. The point about this is you'll never know what we lost. You'll never know. Mm. But the nope. point is, is if your attitude is well, if you shrug your shoulders and go, "Huh, well, it happens." Yeah. To me, I I, I think we need to be better than that. And I would hope that we are, but I, you know, I still come down with, I, I don't think it's a private company's responsibility to hold your digital data forever and ever and ever and ever. The, That's your yeah. responsibility. But the reality, again, taking the cultural angle on, on it is even if every single MySpace user had, had their own personal archive, that information is still effectively lost to us because you can't access it. It's stuck on a hard drive somewhere. And nobody will ever see it again. Whereas the point is, when it's uploaded to the internet, there is a chance it can be found, it can be discovered, it can be used, it can be understood, it can be contextualized, it can become part of the cultural history. Yeah. Um, and but you've got to also remember how much data that we're actually talking about. I'm not talking about just MySpace here. Uh, so much content is uploaded on a daily basis from uh, professional media companies and users like you and I that it can't all be saved forever. It's too much. So yes, there are some old BBC shows that we'd love to be able to see again, but we'll never see them because they were irresponsible on how they store and, and preserve that stuff. Um, but I mean, that's just the reality of it. And, but, yeah, and imagine how much space is all yeah. of this digital data. Uh, One so good EMP takes out everything. I, I understand that, but the point is, is that the difficulty is, is that the the scale, as as the BBC thing illustrates, the scale of the loss only becomes um, appreciable with time. Yeah, you basically you need to move forward fifty years and then go back and say, do people regret not having access to that data? In the BBC case, they did at the time. Everybody thought that was a perfectly at the time. Everybody was thinking like you're thinking. So, well, you just can't keep it. It's too much. It's too expensive. We can't afford to do it. And you know what? It only shows anyway. It's not our responsibility. People have seen it. People will remember it. It's it's fine. Yeah, and the difficulty is you move forward 50 years and people are going, oh, what on earth? Why did they do that? How could they be so ignorant and so cavalier with with what was part of culture at the time? And that's, that's the argument I'm trying to make. And and I think I think there's a middle ground between both of both of our positions. But the point is, at the moment, hardly anybody ever even thinks about it. And that's what I was trying to say here. Yeah. And here's the thing that this happened and almost nobody knows that it happened. Yeah. You know. But again, I tell you, in 50 years' time, people are going to be pissed. Mm. <laughs> well, when we record our 787th show, we'll, we'll revisit this and I, see I, what they I, think. I will come back to this point when we come yeah. on the wiki trolling, because I think, you know, the wiki trolling uh, this week 
pretty much illustrates what I'm trying to talk about here. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. Um, Apple released a bunch of new products. I don't even care about it. Well. It, it, they were just updates. There was nothing exciting. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, Apple decided, oh, we're still going to put a 5,400 RPM hard drive, fusion drive, into our entry-level iMac, this is, this which is, is this stupid. Yeah, this is that, well, that's, that's why I put the story in. This is what yeah. bothered me about this, is that you're upgrading the products. I disagree with you that this is a no big deal, because at the moment, the way Apple is, when they update anything, it's a big deal. Yeah? yeah. They updated products here, which... You know, they, they brought back the iPad Mini. Everyone here thought that was dead. Yeah, this that's a product that a lot of people really love. Uh, and everyone kind of thought it was going away. And then they've refreshed it. I think that is a big deal. They've basically br- made the iPad Mini a modern iPad again. Yep. I, think, I think nowadays when Apple does something like that, hopefully it's a bellwether that they are starting to change. And then that, that some of the uh, practices that you and I have railed about over many, many years, um, uh, and certainly in the last few years, Apple is starting to change, which is, is a good thing. So for me, this was an encouraging sign. But, yeah, they updated the iMacs, they, and, and the iMac update was probably the least spectacular of all the updates they did this week. Um, Although it is probably the one that, from our perspective, is the most important. Yeah, because the iMacs are a very important line for them. I don't know whether that... I'm, I'm not sure whether... Th- I'm not convinced the iMac is is anywhere near as big a seller as the laptops are, and I think actually getting the laptops right is far more important than the iMac is. But the iMac is still an important machine, uh, and the fact that they are continuing to maintain it and upgrade it is good. I wasn't expecting to see um, a revamped iMac design this time, but I was just stunned that they are still shipping machines with uh, spinning drives in, because... Nowadays, it, once, you've, once you've used a computer with SSD, it's impossible to go to a machine yeah. with a spinning drive. It, and this is completely dead technology. Why would you put and, – and if you're still going to put one, why would you put a 5400? It's a cost-saving measure because, eh, who cares? Yeah, and, and you know, Apple is trying to spin it that the Fusion Drive is a good compensation for, a, for a, a, an SSD. It's not. Yeah, and and helps, if they say it's, it's it's to keep the cost down, well, you know what, Apple, you're the one of the richest companies in the history of this planet. I think maybe you can take uh, sp- spend an extra or lose an extra twenty bucks on this machine uh, and I give know, someone yeah. an actual SS. This is just people. This people, is, people yeah, people who say it's cost are completely wrong because they, exactly they, because that's an old argument. Yeah, yep. SSD prices. For, for moderate storage levels are now as cheap, if not cheaper, than spinning hard drive. Yeah. I, yep. I told you, I just upgraded the SSD in this MacBook Air. Yeah, I spent £50 on a 250, 250 gig SSD. Yeah, yep. you could, for, Back in the day when I was buying laptop hard drives, you could not get a 250 gig hard drive for that money. Oh, God, yeah. no. Yeah, and, and this... <clears> so <throat> so, so that is, a, that is a, a, a canard, basically. However... I, I am more convinced by the argument saying that's basically saying they don't want to put SSDs in there until they can put the whole T2 uh, you know ARM architecture in there that they have in the in the other machines. Right. So um, why didn't they? Well, because, well then it then it, that does make it a, a quite a bit more costly because exactly. you put in a lot more infrastructure and it needed more design work in there. But you know what, Apple, you should have just put regular SSDs in there. Yeah. Yep. You could have taken literally taken out the hard drives and replaced it with a, a two and a half inch size laptop SSD in there and it would have been a far far better product yeah and people would have been 
Yeah, I don't understand why Apple does this because they just leave themselves open to more criticism. It's yeah. stupid. Yeah, it's like it's like you know Apple. Apple always positions itself as we, you know, we we don't we want to make the best product. Yeah, that right. is that is their mantra. Is, is we, you know, we want to make the best products, and then they come up with stuff in the line that is most clearly not the best product they can make for the money, and no. it, and it just it irritates. It really, really irritates. Well, let's talk about something that isn't irritating, and that's our sponsor, OWC. You post or you tell me about the sale that they've got going on with Bose headphones, which is. Uh, Quite a good deal. This is a this is an excellent deal. So the the, the Bose headline the Bose headphones are, are well known for being, um, you know, they, some people don't like the noise that Bose makes the uh, the type of sound they make, but it, it's kind of it's a mass market sound. Most people listen to it and like it. They also make these amazing noise cancelling headphones, and if you've never used them before, they are simply stunning. They are the best on the market for noise cancelling, hands down. They, they're, they're spooky how good they are. You turn them on, and basically your environment around you disappears. Now, the problem is they're Bose. They're expensive. Yeah. Except you buy them from OWC, and all of a sudden they're not that expensive anymore. So they have the um, they have the QC25, the Quiet Comfort 25s, and the Quiet Comfort 35s. Uh, um, the 25s are usually 300 bucks. Yeah. $169. I mean... Yeah. It's not quite half off, but boy, oh boy, it's awful close. Yeah. Now, I have I've had the 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 25s before. The the 35s are better, but they're not so much better that you know if you, if you're on a budget, you wouldn't want to get you wouldn't want to say oh I don't, can't yeah, have the 25. It's thirty. It, it, the retail price is thirty bucks more, but OWC has them for two twenty eight. Yeah. So you so. Can, you can cho- you can make a choice according to your budget, but I tell you, with either of these, you would be really really happy. They also have the in-ear Bluetooth ones at two hundred dollars, which is a hundred dollars off. Um, you know, at this, and these are these are these are all refurbs, but you know, the professionally done refurbs. They're not like you know just some guy wiping them down, uh, and they all come with a, a one-year warranty from IWC. So you just can't go wrong with these. Right. You know, if you buy these and they're from OWC, you're going to get a good deal and they're going to stand behind the product. If you have any issue, it won't be an issue. They'll make sure of that. I'll put a link into these headphones at both MyMac.com and TechFanPodcast.com. And we do want to thank OWC for sponsoring this episode of TechFan. Let's talk about our wiki trolling. So a couple days ago, I watched uh, a Netflix movie came up on Netflix, this big thing, and you know how they advertise their latest yep. homegrown products. And uh, this it was called The Dirt. And it is the story of Motley Crue. Now, I think everybody listening to this show knows who Motley Crue was, I mean, is, or however you want to frame it. Um, so I'm not going to go into the history of Motley Crue. It was an extremely poorly acted movie. Um, I watched the whole thing. Could not watch it with children around. Yeah. If you know anything about Motley Crue, you'll understand why. And I've got a child not too far from me right now, so I'm not going to get into the details, and I probably wouldn't anyways. Let's just say it's not safe for work to watch this movie. Um, and they were as big a degenerates as you could possibly imagine. And it wasn't about the music. It never was with Motley Crue. But it kind of stirred my interest a little bit because Motley Crue was, at their height, was popular when you and I were teenagers, late teenagers. And Motley Crue 
was one of the I, look. I, I'm very diverse in how much uh, the type of music I like. Uh, very diverse, but I am a product of the '80s. I, in 1980, I was 10 years old. In 1990, I was 20. So my formative years was the 1980s, same as you. Mm-hmm. And while there was some really great music, there was some really bad music as well. Yeah. And one of the things that became popular in the 80s, extremely popular, mainstream popularity, was glam metal. Now, I always refer to it as hair metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of, uh, Wikipedia takes the glam metal and puts that on the top. Well, they, they say that hair, hair metal is accepted to be a derogatory term. Um, well, certainly inside the glam metal scene, yep. uh, people didn't like the use of the term hair metal, apparently. But, well, you too know, bad. But it, <laughs> it, it really fit, though. That was the problem. It, that, yeah, yeah, you could quickly look at someone and say that's... Because not all hair bands were glammy. They just had the, the big hair tease things going. Yeah. You know, it, it glam metal kind of started in the 70s. Didn't kind of, it did, with Alice Cooper and Cheap Trick and groups like that. But yeah, it wasn't I, until I, I the would, 80s. I would argue that, um, you know, bands like Queen and everything were a big influence as well. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, it, they, they basically took this, because um, parts of rock in the 70s took itself very, very seriously. And they yes. kind of... Uh, the you know the glam scene just basically turn that on its head and say we're going to do elaborate stage shows uh, and ri- ridiculous over the top performances just for the fun of it you know and and glam metal was always quite fun <laughs> even if it was crazy so it uh, became popular in the eighties late seventies early eighties um, and in particular really the Sunset Strip was kind of the the area that it took off the most, although there was a lot of it going on in New York, uh, for instance, quite, uh, no, not quite right. Um, Twisted Sister yeah. was huge in, in the New York area. Now we think of Twisted Sister is, um, that one terrible song that they're known for, but they were actually a, a long suffering band and very much into the glam metal in the New York scene. They got kind of big in, in England for, five minutes yeah um before they finally had their hit song and ugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but in los angeles the sunset strip motley crew which let's be honest their, their music was great to play loud in your car when you're not thinking about anything mm. uh rat it's the same music quiet riot yeah. same music striper same stuff now they put def leppard in here which Absolutely started as a, a glam metal band, but Def Leppard actually had legs. They actually changed their sound and adjusted to what was going on in popular culture as the years go by. They still release albums, and their music is actually still pretty good. I bought a yeah. Def Leppard album maybe six, seven years ago, and it was really good. I was surprised. Yeah, I think I think there, were, there is a difference between some of these bands who basically just wanted to do the same thing, and then, you know, people like them, you, I mean, Bon Jovi's another one who kind of, they, they started a particular way, and then as time went on, they had the talent and the and the, the writing talent and, the, and yeah. the marketing talent to change what they did and to change the type of music they did to keep it current and popular, and popular, I... I there's always this thing in music, isn't there? Is that oh, well, you're if you get popular, you're a sellout man. And I think, right. I think a lot of the uh, of the early glam rock uh, guys kind of thought that the the popularization of, of 
of the genre was too was too poppy and and they were sellouts but you know those guys filled stadiums and made uh, millions of dollars where a lot of these other guys have uh, you know just spent the whole um whole time trying to afford rehab yes <laughs> now obviously there were a ton of these bands doc and poison skid row cinderella warrant they were all completely interchangeable yeah. Um, I had the cassettes of every single band I just mentioned, including the ones from earlier. I had all that music. Now, I also had stuff like, you know, Prince and U2 and um, R.E.M. And, you know, I listened to all kinds of stuff. Uh, but, you know, if there's a bunch of heavy metal kids getting together, this is what they were listening to. Yeah. Um, there were some offshoots of metal that weren't into the hair metal, like... Metallica, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, they were never a hair band. Um, but the hair scene, the, the glam scene had a sudden and violent death, yeah. <laughs> you know, from, from the beginning of the eighties, when it started getting popular until right around 1991. So it had a good 11 year run. And then a new type of music came out that was, the polar opposite of the glam stuff. And that was grunge. Yeah. And grunge came out with bands like uh, Nirvana and Pearl jam and Soundgarden, where they weren't dressing up in women's clothes. They weren't wearing skin tight leotards. They weren't putting their hair, st- you know, straight up in the air and um, using hairspray. Like you wouldn't believe uh, they went the opposite direction. They were wearing, ripped jeans and plaid shirts, you yeah. know, and the music was, was what important to them. Not, not all the crap that went along with it. And grunge, let's be honest, did not have a long run. Like, like the glam scene, not even close. No grunge lasted about five years and it was dead. Yeah. Um, but grunge, I firmly believe completely killed the glam scene, because if you got into grunge, all of a sudden groups like Poison and Motley Crue and Rat were kind of a joke. You're like, Ugh, yeah, how could I? How I I can't believe I was ever listening to that stuff. Well, the, you know, the difference was was uh, grunge was yeah. Not only was it the opposite in terms of um, in terms of genre, um, in terms of the the sound and the content of the music, but uh, and the image as well but also the production was completely different yes. uh, by this point glam glam rock had become so overproduced uh, it was a caricature so Im- of itself yeah and so it had it was an, it was image orientated a lot of the um yeah a lot of the early early bands are kind of faded away because of mainly rehab um or print yeah. or both um yeah. and and the only bands that were still successful were the kind of the poppy ones who were who were very much part of the la machine um and reflected the very worst in, in kind of the approach of the late 80s early 90s and that then as well i think i think culturally um the early 90s was kind of a, a there was a backlash against the excesses of the 80s yes. and if you had an image that was based purely on excess then uh, that was always going to be a struggle for you. Um, and fashions change. You know, that movie, uh, Dirt, really kind of did an injustice to Motley Crue and kind of what they became. It could have been a 
It could have been a movie about, you know, the warnings of excess and and going to become a, a superstar for the wrong reasons. They just glorified all the stuff that they did. And the guys in the band actually are producers on this movie, so they approved, yeah. Yeah. you know. But it was all fake. And by that, I mean it was never about the music. Because they started out with songs like Shout at the Devil, and they had an album called Theater of Pain. And then at their height, they came out with the album called Girls, Girls, Girls. Yeah. Huh. That's weird. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it could have been a, a decent movie. And it's it's trash. I watched the whole thing. and I hated it so much that I enjoyed it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you know that's, but, it, it, but that's kind of what glam metal was about. Yeah, that, there's it, a whole, it, it captured it. There's a whole slew of these coming out at the moment. Obviously, we just had the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, which also critically wasn't really rated, though um, it's it's been carried off by the fact that uh, Rami Malek's performance as, as uh, Freddie Mercury is allegedly incredible. Um, it is. I, Do you, I assume you haven't seen I it? I haven't seen that one yet, no. Yeah, he, he um, did a great job. I just... I, I watched the whole thing. I used to really like Queen's music. I'm kind of over it now. Mm-hmm. I like a few songs still, but... Yeah, they were not great, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but it, he, his performance was... Here's a funny thing. Years ago, when he first kind of started making a name for himself, I said to Julie, he would be perfect to play uh, to play Freddy. Yeah. Yeah. I called that one all, uh, like... Six years ago, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, um, and of course, there's a, there's Rocket Man coming out soon, which is the Elton John biopic. So you know, this is a, <laughs> the dirt really kind of could be suggested to be a cheap Netflix cash in on that. Oh movie. yeah, oh no question. No, it's it's a direct to to DVD type of movie, direct, yeah. direct to tape. But you know, it's it's really bad. <laughs> uh, unless you're like me and you have some fond memories of this music scene, going to concerts, rocking out with, you know, six, six by nine, uh, power booster and a few speakers blasting in your old Chevy. Um, it's not going to do anything for you. Yeah. See, see, I was, I was, I, I got into it, um, more when the, you know, when the, um, the more popular bands, I, I went to see white snake at, uh, at Webley arena. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've always been a big fan of Bon Jovi. I've seen them a few times, but obviously those aren't the the hardcore glam metal bands from the from the start of the movement. The only thing that these bands are good for now is nostalgia acts, yeah, and that's where they're making their money. And you know what? More power to them. Yeah. I have no problem with you know if, if Motley Crue gets to back together and they tour with White Snake, Poison, and Dokken. Um, I don't particularly care to go see that concert, yeah. but I get why a lot of people would. Yeah. You know, it reminds you of being a teenager. Cool. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And at this point it's, you know, you can't take the music seriously. You put it in the background and it's, it's playing, but you don't, yeah. and you could sing along to the songs because let's be honest, it was a soundtrack of your youth, but yeah. beyond that, there's no deep meaning to it. Well, that, yeah. What I find amazing is that there are some there are some bands who kind of stuck to the same formula and are still successful today. And I'm thinking Aerosmith, <laughs> who yeah. basically have never changed. Really, they kind well, of but they of, were never they they adopted the glam metal stuff for a while. Yeah. But they were never a glam metal band. They were no. more of a garage band. 
Uh, well, I mean, their first hits were in the 70s. Yeah. You know, and they were actually serious musicians. Then they got a little 80s-ish and going into the 90s. But you say it's successful. Do they even record music anymore? Well, they're still touring. Well, that's different than recording music. I mean, you know, yeah. people can still tour. doesn't mean that they're yeah, they, they did, well, they producing did an, anything. They did an album in 2013. Um, so and they, the answer would be no. <laughs> and, well, no, they are talking about doing another album. They've been, they've been talking about it since 2015, so. Yeah, who yeah. cares? Well, you know, I, I know for look, you. You you know, you see your parents in your retirement. What, what is the thing about when you get close to retirement, all of a sudden it takes you ages to do anything? <laughs> There's an awful lot of talking about doing stuff without actually doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Well, Aerosmith actually had some really good songs. Yeah, they did. Um, All right. Well, let's wrap this one up, David. Um, We'd love to get feedback from you guys. It's simple to do. Send us an email, show at techfanpodcast.com. Go to mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com and leave a comment. Hit us up on social media. We are techfanpodcast on Twitter, and we do have both the mymac and the tech fan podcast pages on facebook but really email is kind of what we prefer because that when you send it to that email address it comes to both david and i and we will make sure to read your feedback right here on the show anything before we wrap up david no that's all for me see you next week see you then